Well, we're in the third week of a series called Weird because normal is not working. If you missed the last couple of weeks, let me kind of review. We started off uh, with the teachings of Jesus. Very powerful verses. Jesus actually said there are two distinctly different roads. He talked about one road, which is very broad. It's a wide road. He said that's where most people are. Many people travel on that road. The bad news is that wide road where most of the people are, that road leads to destruction. For our purposes, we've said, honestly, that's where the normal people are. He said there's a second road, though, and it's a narrow road. The good news is this road leads to life. The bad news is, Jesus said, only a few people are on that narrow road. Many of you, you were traveling the broad roads, you had the courage to say, I want to follow Jesus. You left the broad road where the normal people are. You went on the narrow road. The broad people started calling you weird, but you don't care because normal is broke, normal is overwhelmed, normal is spiritually bankrupt, normal is divorced, and you don't want to have anything to do with normal because you know when led by the Spirit of God, weird is much better and normal is not working. Today, I want to talk to you about weird desires because it's so normal to give in to your normal and natural desires. For example, all of our churches, if you guys would participate, how many of you have ever felt like saying something or felt like doing it and you did it, but later on you regretted it? How many would say, I've done something or said something I later regretted? Because it's so natural to give in to your normal desires. Normal people do it all the time. For example, uh, just yesterday, I was at three different soccer games. Two of my boys are playing soccer. They've uh, got great coaches, and I honestly have been one of those guys, I, I really despise the over-involved hyper parents. You know, the, the parents that think, Everything revolves around their three-year-old t-ball game, and they get way into it. How many of you know somebody like that? They're just, don't point at them, but you know somebody like that. And so I, I grew up in a very competitive environment. I actually saw two parents get in a fist fight when I was a kid over a, a baseball game. And so for me, I'm kind of like, they're kids. Let them have fun. It's not that big of a deal. Well, yesterday, uh, my son, Buki, plays for a great coach, uh, he wasn't getting much playing time, and, you know, all the in-laws and parents and grandparents are all there, and like, why isn't Buki playing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And then another family from the church, their kid wasn't getting playing time, and they came up like, Pastor Craig, Buki's not getting any time, and neither is our kid, and we're angry. We need to do something about this. I'm like, hey, you know, we're Christians. It's no big deal. Let's just lay low. We, we support our coach. We never talk bad about our coach. You know, it's no big deal. Like, oh, I just can't. It's just not right, and I'm, I'm kind of upset, but I'm playing it cool. I'm, I'm godly. You know, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> Until Buki comes up to me at the end of the game, hadn't played the whole second half. He comes up with tears in his eyes. He said, Daddy, I was really hoping I could play today, and then I just snapped. I just said as loud as I could, I said, it's okay, Buki, your coach won't, coach won't put you in the game. We'll play all day long when we get home. Doesn't matter that everybody came out here to watch you play, and yet you haven't played. We'll play when you get home, son, because I love you. <laughs> the other couple looked at me like, oh, Pastor Craig, I see you're human as well. <laughs> like, yes, I am, and I just snapped, because that's what normal people do, you give in to the normal 
desires. If you're taking notes, a key thought for this series. If you want what normal people have, you should do what? Say it aloud if you know it. You should do what normal people do. But if, on the other hand, you want what few people have, you should do what few people do. It's time to be different. It's time to get weird because it's normal to give in to your lower desires. You can see it all throughout the Bible. Go to the very first story in Scripture in Genesis. Adam and Eve, God says, you can have anything you want from the garden, but don't eat the fruit from this one tree. The serpent comes up and says, isn't it beautiful? Don't you want it? And what did Eve do? She gave in to her natural desires. Fast forward a bit. Moses, he gets upset at an Egyptian, and so he goes and takes revenge and kills the Egyptian soccer coach because he didn't put his kid in the game. <laughs> but he, he, he gave in to his desires. Uh, King David, he sees Bathsheba, another man's wife, says, I want some of that action, and he gave in to his own desires because, quite honestly, that's what normal people do. For you, it might be you get angry and you explode. It might be you're hungry and you eat and you eat and you eat. It might be you give in to your sexual desires. Whatever it is, that's what normal people do. The Bible, though, talks very directly to this subject in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 16 and 17, and lists three different normal desires. The King James uh, calls it the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The NLT says it this way. Uh, the Bible says, for the world offers only a craving for what? For physical pleasure or the, the lust of the flesh. I wanna have fun. If it feels good, do it. I wanna enjoy my life. Also, the world offers a craving for what else? For everything that we see, the lust of the eyes. I, I don't have one of those, I want one, I've gotta have that. I, want, I need these things to make me happy. And a third desire is what the Bible calls a pride in our what? In our achievement and our possessions. All of us, we have these natural desires. We want these things to make us feel good, to make us happy, to give us meaning. We want you to think we're successful. We want material things, we have all of these natural desires, but the Bible says, these are not from the Father, but they are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. The good news is, though scripture says, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We see it all the time today. Normal people give in to what they desire. They follow their own appetites and their own cravings. So what I want to do is contrast what normal people do and what weird people do. We'll start with two thoughts about normal people. The first one, if you're taking notes, I know every single one of you, you would agree. You see this all the time. Normal people want what they want now, not later. All of our campuses, you guys, let's say this aloud. Everybody help me out. Normal people, they want what they want when. They want what they want now, not later. We, we live in an instant gratification generation. I want what I want, and I want it now. In fact, you can see a great example of this in a story Jesus told about a father who had two sons. The younger son, in Luke 15, verse 12, said to his father, I want my share of the estate when? He said, I want it now before you die. 
And we see this all the time today. This is what normal people do. They give in to their desires. I want what I want, and I want it now. Could be a boy and a girl. They're snuggling and cuddling. And the Bible says this type of snuggling and cuddling is for marriage. But they say, I want it now. It could be that someone uh, has ice cream and it's in their refrigerator and they know ice cream is for dessert, but they want it and they want it now. And so they eat it all and they go in for the backup ice cream, the extra gallon of cookies and cream, and they eat it too because they want it now. It could be that they're mad at their boss. Their boss hurt their feelings, overlooked them, and so they pound out the email. They hit send and send it now, and then they're fired later, but they did what they wanted to do now because that's what normal people do. Normal people want what they want and they want it now and so they give in to their lower and natural desires. The second thought I actually want to give uh, this idea, I want to give credit to uh, my good friend Andy Stanley. Uh, Andy and I do leadership events together around the country. He's a great guy and he taught a whole message around this one little subject from uh, Esau and Jacob. So I want to give him credit, and then I'll put it in my own normal and weird language. Normal people, first of all, they want what they want now, not later. Secondly, if you're taking notes, normal people, they will often trade the ultimate for the immediate. Normal people will trade the ultimate for the immediate the greatness of the future for the immediacy of the now. In fact, there's a story that illustrates this better than any other in the Bible about two brothers, uh, brothers Esau and Jacob. If you know a little bit of their story, Esau was the older brother, and he was kind of a man's man. Jacob was the younger brother, and he was kind of a mama's boy. He was kind of a whiner and just, he just a, he was a mama's boy. And if you know, in biblical times, the, the oldest son would have what was known as the birthright. In other words, uh, just because they were born first, they had a tremendous advantage. Uh, whenever the father would die, the, the son with the birthright would get a double portion of the inheritance. And after the father would die, that son would rise into the position of power, kind of like the executor of the estate or the judge of the family. And Esau, the older brother, had this. And Jacob, the younger brother, was jealous. So one day when Esau was out, maybe on a hunting trip or something, he came home hungry, and mama's boy Jacob was in the kitchen making some soup. And Jacob went and tricked his older brother into giving him his birthright. Here's the literal story from Genesis 25, starting in verse 29. The Bible says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. The older brother comes in, I'm hungry. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of your red stew. I'm famished. Verse 31, Jacob the younger brother, he replies, hey, hang, hang on a second. First, sell me your birthright. Verse 32, Esau, the older brother, he says, look, I'm about to what? He says, I'm about to die. Now, let's pause for a moment. Do you think he was about to die? What do you think? No, he wasn't about to die. I mean, he could have lived off his own fat for at least 
30 minutes or three hours or three days. He's not about to die, but at the moment, he feels like he is. And I sometimes feel like that when I come home and I'm hungry. I'm like, look, I need something to eat. And Amy says, make something yourself. And then I say what all men say, there's nothing to eat in this house. And then she says, there's cabinets full of stuff that you can make. And I'm a man and I don't know how to make things. So I say something rude and then I have to apologize. Why? because I was grumpy and thought I was about to die and demanded some food, and that's probably more than you wanted to know, but that happens all the time at my house. And so Esau goes, I'm about to die. I'm starving. And then he asked this question that seems so stupid. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? I'm so hungry. I've got this need. I really desire that bowl of stew What good is this birthright to me? Then Esau, the older brother, does something that we would all say is so foolish. How in the world could anyone be so stupid, so short-sighted, so foolish? Because what he did was he traded his birthright, the ultimate, for the immediate, a stupid bowl of stew. And what do we do? We look at that and say, who would be so foolish to trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? And the answer is, normal people do it every single day. Every day. Every day. Every day. People are stupid stupid enough to trade the ultimate for an immediate and a distorted desire. I promise you, every single one of you, you know somebody who who basically uh, derailed their life with a desire that went unchecked and unmanaged, and they did something stupid. What happened? They locked in for a moment on this desire, and they forgot about everything else that mattered, because in that moment, the bowl of stew was so important, and that's what normal people do all the time. It could be a young girl who just feels like, uh, I need the clothes I get, they make me happy. And so she gets a belt to go with the shoes that matches the hair clip that she got, and then she buys more and more and sinks into debt and wakes up one day in $37,000 of consumer debt. And she says, how in the world did I get here? And she did it one bowl of stew at a time. It could be the man that really loves his wife, loves his children, loves his God, but in the moment when he's looking on the computer and he's one click away from something lustful that's going to just feed his lustful desires, and in that moment he focuses in on the stew and he forgets about his love for her and he forgets about his love for them and he forgets about his love for him and in that moment he trades the ultimate for the immediate, something as stupid as a bowl of stew. It could be the young girl and she really wants a godly husband and she really wants to be loved, and she wants to love. And she meets a guy, and he's a pretty good guy, and she says, I love you to him, and he says, I love you to her, and then he says, but if you really love me, 
you would. And she doesn't want to because she wants to try to please God, but she really wants to be loved. And so she does, and she trades the ultimate for the immediate, and he dumps her, and she feels cheap, and she feels used because she traded something that mattered for a stupid bowl of stew. It happens all the time. Normal people do it all the time. Men, you see it all the time. Men, they really love their families. They, they want to be a good dad. And, and so they say, I'm going to love my family by being a great provider. So what do they do? They go after the pride of life, the, the, the accomplishments. Like, I'm going to give them more than I had. And so they work hard, and they rise on the ladder, and they make more, and they get their family a bigger house and nicer cars. And then one day they wake up, and their children are 24 and 27 and 29, and they realize they don't even know their kids. And their kids don't know them. And they realize, how could I have been so stupid? I traded the ultimate for the immediate. I traded relationships for accomplishments. Stupid bowl of stew. Who would be so dumb to trade their birthright for a bowl of stew? And the answer is normal people do it every single day. That's why I want to ask you, and I pray that you would be honest enough to just be truthful and search your heart. What's your bowl of stew? What's your bowl of stew? What is your desire or desires that if left unchecked and unmanaged out from the direction of the Holy Spirit could take you into a place where you literally short circuit God's long-term plan for something as simple as a bowl of stew. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've seen people, they, it's, it's cigarettes. They're smoking away the last 15 years of their life. They're going to die early, not raise their grandkids, all because they want the immediate pleasure of a cigarette. It could be the, the control. I know some people that have to control everything, and they're pushing away their, their husband because they have to be in control, and pushing away their kids because they have to be in control, and they're sacrificing the ultimate for them. It could be popularity. You want so much to be liked that you're walking away from what God wants for you. You're trading the ultimate for the immediate for friends who won't even be there for you five years from now. What's your bolus do? Because we all have one. The desires, if left unchecked and unmanaged, could lead us to compromise what matters most for something that really doesn't matter at all. Normal people, they want what they want now, not later, and they're willing to trade the ultimate for the immediate. Weird people, though, they're very different. They really are. They live for different values. And I want to show you two differences with weird people, if you're taking notes. The first is obvious, but is very important. Weird people know that later is often better than now. Could I get all of you to say that? What do weird people know? Weird people know that Later is often better than now. Scripture says in Proverbs 16, verse 32, better to be what? Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have what? Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. In other words, God may say, hey, I don't mind you having a bowl of stew. Just don't sell your birthright for it. Get it later, not now. Weird people know that later is often better than now. Here's what I love about weird people. Weird people are willing to give up something they want for something they want 
even more. Weird people, they're willing to give up something they want now for something they want even more later. And especially the emerging generation, those of you in your 20s, you've been trained to get whatever you want now. You need to understand, there is power in waiting and doing things in God's timing and his way. Instead, you trade the immediate for the ultimate. Here's what I do with my children. This, to me, is such an important value. I actually have a training exercise I've done with all six of my kids. When they're four or five years of age, I set them down, and I take a double-stuffed Oreo cookie. How many of you know that a double-stuffed Oreo cookie is next to godliness? If you know it, just shout amen, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you. It is. And so I'll take one, and I'll put one on their side of the table and say, this one's yours, and then I'll take two double-stuffed cookies and put them on this side of the table, and I say, you can have yours now. And all the time, my kids grab me, <laughs> and they take it, and they put it, and I say, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Just remember, you can have that one now, or if you wait one hour, you can have that one plus these two equal three. And I'm trying to teach them that later is often better than now. One of my children, I won't tell you which one, always went for the one, <laughs> gobbled it up, just like that. Every single time I had to teach this one child discipline and self-control. Uh, my oldest son, Sam, he was, he was a natural from day number one. He's like, okay, daddy, cool, I'll wait for the three understood it immediately. Buki, my second son, though, shrewd. He'd say, Dad, how about this? You give me five if I wait an hour. And Buki would always negotiate with me every single time. Here's the deal. I want my children to understand that later is often better than now. And this applies to all different areas of life. Financially, what is normal? Normal is broke, normal is debt. Weird people know that later is often better than now when it comes to finances. In fact, in college, I had a very wealthy professor who taught business classes for fun. I said, what's the number one best piece of financial advice you'd give me to build wealth? He said that most people, they buy liabilities now. He said, wealthy people buy assets first and liabilities later. I'll put it in my language. Normal people buy liabilities Weird people buy assets. I was 18 or 19 at the time. I said, what's a liability? He said, a liability is something that goes down in value. You buy a new car for $30,000, you drive it off the lot. It's worth $26,000 before you hit the first stoplight. It goes down in value. You buy a shirt for $40. It's worth 50 cents after you wear it once. It goes down in value. That's what normal people buy. Weird people, though, buy assets. I was a kid. I said, what's an asset? He said, something that goes up in value or something that can also produce income. I said, give me an example. He said, a rental property is an asset. So I took, I was 19, I took the money I had saved for a liability, the money I had saved to buy a car to replace my piece of crap car that was about to die, and I took my money and went and bought a very small house and I had a payment on it after my down payment of $151.66 a month. And I said to all my liability-loving fraternity brothers, hey, you can live in my house, 100 bucks each, as many guys want to pile in there, that's it, 100 bucks, I'll cover the rest of the expenses. I'm telling you, every month, seven guys, eight guys, nine guys, they sleep in the bathtub anywhere they could for $100 a month. And I looked at it and go, I have asset money left over at the end of the month. And I did what weird people do, started buying multiple assets 
first that could then pay for the liabilities later and bring us to a place today where we can give enormously because we did what weird people do. They understand that later is better than now. Same is true in other areas. Take sex. What does the world say today? The world says, get it and get it now, baby. If it feels good, do it. Why wait? Get it going. Get it on. Get it. And here's what weird people do. Weird people wait because God says later is better than now. Amy and I, thankfully, we were both following Christ when we met. And so we waited. We traded the immediate, some junga junga on the front side of marriage, for the ultimate on the backside, which let me tell you what we have now. Honestly, we've got a testimony that we can tell our children and we can tell you. We did it God's way. Also, I didn't marry a compromiser and she didn't marry a compromiser because if we had both compromised, we'd both be compromisers. And now that we're married, we'd be going, oh, you might compromise now and I might compromise now. But it built in this trust that is very valuable. Also, our honeymoon, oh, Glory to God, oh, honeymoon. Because I'm telling you, if you've been getting it on, you go on your honeymoon, it's just another day at the office, isn't it? But if you waited, you unwrap that present and you say, wow, God, you are good. And he is. Now, didn't last long, but that's because we were rookies. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I mean, Bennett was special. Don't you guys laugh? Like, you won't, you won't last long either. You wait like that. But with time, you get better. And you guys are a bunch of, I can't believe you said that. I, I can't either. <laughs> so. Here, here's the thing. Uh, speaking of that, there's this guy. He's, uh, there's, this guy, there's this kid. He's 22 years old. 22-year-old, one of the best-looking guys I've ever seen. He's a virgin. And, uh, and he, was, he was tempted to look at some things on his iPhone and on his computer that would lead him towards sexual sin. So let me tell you what this weird guy did. He gave his iPhone away, and he took his computer up to the second story of his house, and he threw it off. That's weird. That's weird. Because here's the deal. He did not want to trade the immediate for the ultimate. I like that. I like a guy, some of you girls are going, who is this guy? Just write me a little note, I'll get you his number. And, and he's willing to say, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of the ultimate. I want to please God. Weird people they know, later is better than now. Second thing, if you're taking notes, and this is where it gets really uh, important. Weird people, they seek God until his desires become their desires. That's what they do. Weird people, they seek God until his desires become their desires. Psalm 37, verse 4. Uh, say this first phrase aloud, if you will. The Bible says we're told to do what? We're told to delight yourself in the Lord. You might circle that word delight and write in by your notes, write the word anag, A-N-A-G. Delight, that's the Hebrew word for delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will, God will, give you the desires of your heart. Uh, the word anag, it means to enjoy, it means to seek, it means to delight. And this word, it means as you're seeking, as you're enjoying, as you're delighting, you will be made soft or pliable. Soft or pliable. In other words, imagine you're a hard rock of clay and God is the potter. 
as you seek him, he pours water on you. And you're like, oh, water, mm, I enjoy this. And then he, the water makes you soft and pliable. And then the potter forms you, the clay, into exactly what he wants. That's what, that's what happens when you seek God. I'm telling you, some of you, you're seeking nothing but your stupid bowl of stew. Throw that thing down, call it what it is, it's a bowl of stew. Seek God, open up his word, become passionate about him, about his kingdom, and he will change you, and all of a sudden, he molds your hearts, and he gives you his desires. His desires become your desires. Because you desire what he desires, he will give you the desires of your heart. You no longer desire the lower things of this world because he's transforming you. You're weird. You're different. You're not living for what everyone else lives. I love the way he says it in Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. He says, so I say, Paul did, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you do that, how many of you know you're going to be weird? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, what all the other normal people do. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And what does the Spirit do? Everybody help me. The, the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He gives us desires that are what? That are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. This is so powerful. When you leave the normal broad path, and when you get on the narrow path that leads to life, the Holy Spirit changes your heart. And all of a sudden, rather than wanting more things of this world, more empty things that do not last, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, instead, you want your life to glorify God. And you start desiring to be generous and to forgive and to bless people, and to go the extra mile, and to worship God, and to do all these things that normal people don't do, because God is changing your desires. The problem is, as you grow closer to God, I promise you, Satan will offer you a stupid bowl of stew. And if you're not prepared, you may compromise all the blessings of what God wants to give you in the future for something as little as a temporary, meaningless bowl of stew, which is exactly what Esau did. Think about this. Everybody pay attention for one moment. What do we say for, for decades and decades and, and centuries? As Christians, we have said, we serve the God of whom? If you know what, say it aloud. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all through Scripture. Who was Jacob? The younger brother. Who should it have been? Who would it have been? Who could it have been if he hadn't been so short-sighted that he traded his birthright for a bowl of stew? If he had done what's right, we would have said to this day, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because of unchecked desires, Esau traded the ultimate for a stupid bowl of stew. Who would do that? Normal people do it every day. And that's why we're not going to be normal. We're gonna follow Jesus, we're gonna seek him, we're gonna please him, and yes, we're gonna be weird and we don't care what anybody thinks because weird is much better than normal. Father, we pray today. I pray, God, that for those who are maybe pursuing that bowl of stew or, or could be tempted by the bowl of stew, that your spirit would
would lead us out of that normal temptation into the power of godliness and life. All of our churches, as you're praying today, there's some of you, you're gonna recognize right now that um, there's a bowl of stew that could take you out. Others of you, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're people, we're vulnerable. There could be something that could come along and you really don't ever wanna compromise your destiny for a distorted desire that does not last. All of our campuses, those of you who say, I really do, I wanna seek God so passionately that his desires become my desires, that by the power of his spirit, I would rise above the lower natural desires of this world, but I would truly desire what pleases him. If that's you, all of our churches today, those of you who say, I really do, I don't wanna be so stupid to sell out for a stupid bowl of stew, I wanna live in such a way that would please him. If it makes me weird, more power to him. Would you lift up your hands if that's you today? Just lift them up. God, I pray. I pray for those who are just eating their stew right now. I pray that your spirit would set them free. God, I pray they would confess their sins, both to you and to trusted people. I pray that you would set them free, God. I pray, God, for all of us who are vulnerable every day to, to doing something that could cost us over an, an immediate and lower desire. God, I pray that your truth that later is often better than now would penetrate our souls, and God, that we would truly seek you so much that you would renew our minds with the washing of the water of the word, that we would be made soft and pliable, that our desires, God, would become your desires, and when our heart lines with yours, God, we thank you that you will give us what our heart desires because it's not our desires, it's your desires in us. God, give us a heart that breaks for the things that break your heart of God. Uh, God, give us a heart for those things that excite your heart. Give us your desire so we could please you in every way. As you're still praying today at all of our churches, there are some of you, you're gonna recognize and call it what it is. You're on the broad road. You're living like everyone else. Your life looks like everyone else. You spend money like everyone else. Your time's like everyone else. There is really no difference. And you're gonna recognize you are not walking with and serving the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you recognize, normal's not working. I wanna be different. How do I get on the narrow road? Well, let me tell you what you cannot do. You can never be good enough to earn your way there. Jesus said you step through the gate, and he said very clearly, I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So today, you're gonna be honest and admit, I'm not walking with him. I do not know him. And when you call on him, here's what he's gonna do. Jesus, the Son of God, will forgive every sin that you've ever committed. He will wash those sins away. He will make you pure as if you've never, ever sinned. You will become a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, everything becomes new. That's why many of you are here today. As you call on him, you'll be filled with his spirit. You will not be the same. You will leave the broad path which leads to destruction. You will enter on the narrow road. All of our churches, those of you who say, that's me, I don't know him, and I'm ready to. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to know your life, your forgiveness, your grace, your power. Save me, Jesus. I give my life to you. That's you today. Would you lift up your hands high right now? Just lift them up now and leave them up. I want to just meet you eye to eye right here in the middle section, both of you. Praise God for both of you. Others of you who say, me too, right back over here in this section. Jesus, take my life. Save me. There are others of you. Call on him. Both of you. Back over here. Praise God for you. And here in this section as well. Others, call on his name, Jesus. Save me from my sins. 
I give my life to you. God bless you over in this section. Others today who would say, count me in. Right up here in this middle section, all of our churches, would you pray aloud together? Right back over here as well. Jesus, take my life. Right up here, praise God for you. Everybody praying with these around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit that I could always serve you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, get weird, get loud, worship God. Welcome those today born into God's family.